everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Science for Women podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we're doing something a little different. As you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, there's a lot going on with Muscle Science for Women. We're launching a new program for the first time in a while. It's called the Grow Your Glutes Workshop. We're really, really excited about that. And also personally, I'm moving. You know, there's a lot going on. So rather than skip a week or two of the podcast, which we never want to do, we always want to give you valuable content. What I thought I'd do is reintroduce you to some of the most popular, widely downloaded episodes from uh, the past. Because if you are a new listener, you'll know that it's just really been the last year that the podcast has been co-hosted with my friend, Rachel Gregory, and we turned it into the Muscle Science for Women podcast prior to that. It was Muscle Maven Radio. It was just me on my own chatting with some really smart guests. And there were a couple episodes that were just really popular. I thought really, really good. And I wanted to reintroduce them to you. So often with podcasting, it's like we do all this work, we put out these great episodes, and then they're just kind of gone, poof, as soon as you listen to it. But a lot of these things, just like a good book, you can bring them back out, you can listen to them again, maybe take something new from them. And there's still a lot of value there. So what I wanted to do is just bring back a couple of the really, really good episodes that I really love that I either want you to listen to again, maybe if you're an old school fan or here for the first time. So that's what we're doing today. I really, really hope you enjoy it. Thank you as always for your support. If you do um, have any sort of topic ideas or anything you'd like Rachel and I to, to talk about on the podcast, just send us a note to musclescienceforwomen at gmail.com. That's the number four. We read all those emails and we'd love to hear from you. And thank you as always to our show sponsor, Bubs Naturals. These guys have been supporting me from the very beginning. They make amazing collagen. I put it in everything, my coffee, my baking, everything I do. Basically, I sprinkle a little collagen on it. And they also uh, offer coffee now, as well as a creamer that's really delicious. So check them out, bubsnaturals.com. You can use the code MM20 to save 20% off your order. You'll be doing yourself a favor and you're supporting the podcast. So it's a win-win. All right, that's it for now. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate it. And I'm kind of excited about this episode. It's a little bit unique in that this episode, you're only going to hear from me today. Um, I did one other episode like this, a solo episode, all about competitive bodybuilding, um, because I wanted to kind of tell my story, my background uh, in that industry from start to finish, and tell you a little bit about my experiences, maybe some things that people don't often talk about, the good, the bad, the hilarious, all of that stuff. Um, and I just wanted to be transparent and I wanted to kind of ramble and give you my whole story and not have to um, waste a co-host time. So it was just me in that episode. And you guys responded really well to it. You enjoyed it. You said you liked it. You gave me great feedback. So it made me feel like it was something that I could attempt again, as weird as it is to sit here and just be talking um, into space. So I'm going to try my best. Um, but this subject is one that I've been thinking about a lot. I've been doing a lot of work, a lot of research uh, around because it is part of my livelihood. And I think it's important. Um, and so I really wanted to spend some time kind of dissecting it a little bit. And I think it's also a topic that any person who really cares about their health and wellness, and certainly I think that you guys fall into that category, 
you're going to be affected by this uh, topic, probably. Um, you're probably going to be engaging with it. So I want to have this conversation with you. Um, and as you're listening, if there are some things that I'm saying that are really resonating with you, some things that you think I'm, I'm totally off base about, maybe some topics that I'm not covering enough that you would like me to, I really do want to hear from you. So I would love for you to send me an email. My email is on my website. Um, it's in the show notes. My website is ashleyvanhouten.com. Um, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm always kind of available there. Let's have more of a conversation about this, okay? Because this topic is important. Um, it needs to be discussed more transparently and openly and honestly. And until we do that, until we all kind of sit down and get it out, it's going to keep being messed up. So let's let's stop it from being messed up. Let's start fixing the problem, okay? And I want to start with this podcast. So we're talking about coaching. We're talking about health, fitness, nutrition, wellness, lifestyle, coaching, whatever you want to call it. The coach-client relationship whereby we are hoping to improve someone's health and quality of life and happiness through this coaching educational relationship. Um, and what I wanted to talk about, because it's something that I have experience in both from the coach's perspective and the client of a coach, um, and because I've been doing this for so long and because I've worked very closely with other coaches, I've observed, I've um, learned from um, a lot of good coaches, um, and I've had my share of frustrations um, with this profession, I guess. I've I've started and stopped coaching a couple times because I was so frustrated with um, what I saw as the limitations, both on my side and on the side of the client. And I just keep coming back to how important I think this education is. And that's why I continue to podcast, even though nobody's getting rich doing this. Um, it's why I continue to write books and why I continue to put out content um, because I think the education component is important. I think the connection component is important. I think people feeling heard and understood and cared about is important, but we're missing the mark somewhere. Uh, the coaches, the clients, the industry, the culture, somewhere along this line, we're getting mixed signals. Something's not working. Um, but I don't think that means that we need to give this up. I don't think that um, coaching should go away. I think if anything, it's more important than ever to help people understand and, and delve through like the endless amount of information that's out there, help people get organized, help people prioritize, help people be accountable to themselves, be a support system. I think all of these things are really, really crucial. But there's a lot of issues with the coaching industry. And I have been trying to understand and get to the root of it and try to solve some of these problems in my own tiny bubble so that I can provide better services to people. And so I can feel more fulfilled and like I'm helping on a deeper level. And so I thought part of what's going to help me and hopefully some other people um, is by kind of walking through what I see 
as some of the biggest challenges, obstacles, failures of this industry and this relationship, the nature of this relationship, and then try to work through how we can improve it. So as well as my own experience, my own years in this industry, um, and my own personal experience as a coach and as a client, I also have been doing a lot of outreach um, to my community, to people in my tighter knit community, um, and asking this question of them as well and saying, you know, what are some of the challenges you're seeing? What are some of the frustrations you have? What are some suggestions you have for how to fix this problem? Um, and that's what I'm hoping to kind of dissect a little bit in this episode. So how I would like to dive into it for this hour or so that we're going to be chatting, or I'm going to be chatting and you're going to be hopefully listening, is to kind of separate it into three uh, main sections. The first, addressing some of the challenges failures, limitations, whatever you want to call it, of the coach from the client's perspective. And then, of course, the flip side of that, the limitations, failures, challenges, issues on the client's side from uh, the point of view of the coach. And then the third point is going to be my attempt to kind of reconcile this and talk a little bit about what we can all do to improve the coaching relationship. Um, Now, none of this is me trying to judge anybody, convince anybody of anything, because I am probably not your personal coach. Um, I could be. I've got some I've got some services available. We can talk about that at the end. But this is really more about food for thought from an experienced third party whose only interest is to improve this industry. It's not to convince you of anything one way or the other. So hopefully this episode will just be information you can arm yourself with as you go maybe into a new coaching relationship, whichever side of that coin you're on. Maybe you're seeking out a coach. Maybe you as a coach are trying to decide what kind of clients you want to work with. Um, There's a lot of angles that we can go at this from, but that's how I want to dive into it. Um, I hope that you do stick around. There's, you know, a lot of psychology and sociology and emotion um, that goes into this. It's not just about getting the right information and the science and convincing someone to to do what you say. Um, there's so much more to it than that. So uh, I hope that you follow along. We're going to um, just dive into it and see how it goes. So thank you for being here. And um, let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can improve this relationship and just make us all healthier, happier people. No big deal, right? No pressure. Okay, here we go. Okay, so here we go, guys. First first topic, we're going to talk about the limitations, issues, frustrations, challenges that clients have with their coaches. And so, like I said, I did a ton of outreach. I did a ton of research. I asked a lot of people a lot of questions, and these were sort of the main points that kept coming up over and over again. And what I'm going to try to do now, I'm not pretending to be objective. I'm a human being and none of us are objective. So I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I've been a coach and I've been a client. So what I'm going to try to do is when I'm talking about the limitations of the coach, I'm going to try to speak as if I'm a coach and explain 
some of the reasons why these limitations or failures or issues exist. Just so that if you're a client or a potential client listening, you can be like, okay, I can empathize, I can understand, I can see where you're coming from. And then in the next section, when I'm talking about clients, I'll speak on behalf of the client. This is why these issues come up. This is the psychology. This is the this is where you need to understand where we're coming from. Um, I'll try my best. I can't speak, of course, for coaches as a whole or clients as a whole. But again, I've been both. I've talked to both. Um, and I think that just trying to understand where the other person is coming from is going to be more helpful um, when you're on the other side of that relationship. Because we do need to start looking at this this relationship like a any other relationship, like a romantic relationship, like a friendship, like even a family member, a coworker. These are all relationships between human beings and having understanding and empathy and compassion and patience is required to have a successful relationship period. So if those things don't exist, if you don't look at the person opposite you as a human being with their own thoughts, um, beliefs, weaknesses, strengths, uh, if you just think of them as a piece of paper or as someone there to serve you or whatever, you're, you're facing an uphill battle already, right? So just trying to humanize the relationship a little bit and remind you that, yeah, this is a relationship. So there's give and take. It's not all on one person's side. It's not just your responsibility or just their responsibility um, to create the relationship. It needs both of you working equally, understanding each other and putting the effort in. So here we go. Biggest frustrations that clients have with their coaches. Okay. This is in no particular order. These are just listed out. These are the ones that kept coming up over and over again. Okay. So the first one is coaches don't explain what they want you to do. They just tell you what to do. They just give you the information and expect you to do it without explaining. Okay. That's legit. Um, I think that there's a lot of psychology out there that will tell you that the more we understand a concept, the more likely we are to be able to follow it, adhere to it, get behind it, um, believe in it, right? I think that is pretty straightforward psychology. Now, some coaches may not understand uh, the science or psychology behind a point. They just know that you're supposed to do it. So an example of this might be um, you need to move more and eat less calories if you want to lose fat. Okay, that's a pretty simple directive. Of course, there's a ton more that goes into that. There's psychology. There's maybe why are you eating more than you need to? Why are you moving less than you need to? Um, what's your background and history that has led you to this point? Um, it's not just about calories, although calories do matter. It's about qual quality of food as well as quantity. It's about type of movement. It's about recovery. It's about mental health. Like you can see me going down a rabbit hole here already, but some people, some coaches may know what you should be doing and may not know exactly why really or how to explain that to you. So th that could be one limitation. Um, another limitation being that oftentimes from the coach's perspective, we, we know that you are frustrated, impatient, maybe cynical, jaded about this whole 
uh, interaction because maybe you've been dieting or being coached or, or trying to quote unquote, get healthier forever. And you're kind of over it at this point, you're just throwing money at somebody to tell you what to do. And so we tell you what to do, right? Maybe there isn't a lot of time. Maybe you haven't set up a schedule or an interaction, um, where you do have that time to kind of just sit and teach and be taught and discuss and talk. Maybe that wasn't something that was part of the plan at the beginning. Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why the coach just tells you what to do. Maybe they think you don't need to know the science. Maybe they think you just need to be told what to do and go do it. Um, that also goes into making sure you have the right coach, and that's something we're going to talk about later. Um, but that is absolutely a legitimate concern and issue and complaint because, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I've done I've done uh, polls on Instagram stuff saying like, hey you know, if you're hiring a coach, do you want somebody to explain things to you and like teach you? Or do you just want to like know what to do and go do it? Just be given the orders and just go get it done. And usually it's about three to one people want to be taught. So there is still a significant number of people who don't care. They don't care about the explanation. They just want to go do it. Um, and then there's some other people that I think they think that they want to know, but then when they're faced with, okay, well, read this book and listen to me talk for hours and take this course and do all this work, then they maybe decide, okay, actually, I don't really want to know all this stuff. How much do I need to know? How much do I need to learn before I just, you know, it starts clicking and I can just go do it? You know, it's not everybody's full-time job to understand about health and wellness, right? Like some of us have dedicated our lives to it. The rest of us just want to know what we need to know to be healthy and no more, right? So maybe figuring out what camp you fall into and then finding the right coach, you know, who's going to address these things accordingly is a good step for you. But first point, coaches who don't explain, they just give orders. That's legit. I hear you. Okay. The next big one, not addressing the psychology and the mental aspect of getting healthier, just giving you the cold, hard steps, just saying, go do A, B, and C, and not really digging deeper to understand the client and understand why they are failing to do those things on their own, why they have fallen off the wagon, so to speak, over and over again, why they binge eat in the first place, for example, all of these things, right? So this one is kind of the next evolution of the first point being that, look, most health coaches aren't psychologists. That's an entirely different field with an entirely different level of education and understanding. A lot of us are not equipped, even if we think we are, are not equipped with the tools to address the mental health component of getting healthier. And because this is so sort of intangible and gray and on a scale, right? Um, because while I would say that almost anybody could benefit from seeing a therapist, for example, not everybody is in a place to do that. Not everybody wants to do that. Um, not everyone feels they need to do that. And some people think that their coach should also be their psychologist or their therapist. And that's just not the reality, right? So while addressing the deeper mental health aspects 
of health is important, and I think it can be a valid part of the coaching um, service. We have to set realistic expectations and understanding around what a coach is legally and also just skills-wise available to offer you as far as that side of things goes. Um, Psychologists go to school for a long time for a reason. And health coaches don't always have that same level of understanding and uh, ability as a psychologist. So this part is also legit um, because I think that coaches who just ignore the fact, for example, that maybe they have a client who has had um, um, serious eating disorders for a decade, for example, or a history of self-harm or a history of binge eating, um, anything like that on any level of the spectrum and just sort of ignoring it and saying, okay, well, the deal is you just need to eat better food and you need to move better and you need to stop hating the way you look in the mirror. You just need to do that. You just need to suck it up. That's not going to help. That's not useful. That is ignoring a massive part of the puzzle. Um, but again, this goes back to finding the right coach, um, knowing what kind of assistance you need in the first place and seeking out the proper assistance um, and not putting unrealistic expectations on a service provider. So that's something for um, both sides to think about. Most health coaches are not therapists, are not social workers, are not psychologists, and it's unfair um, for a lot of clients to expect that. It's also um, unfair for coaches to completely ignore the mental side of getting healthier. So that one, we need to dig a little deeper to uh, to get to the happy medium, but I think that that at least sort of covers that main main topic. Okay. The next big point of contention that a lot of clients have is a frustration in the coach not being willing to meet people where they are, expecting their clients to be on the level they want them to be at immediately or to go from zero to 100 immediately. Um, rather than understanding that things need to be progressive, that they need to take time, um, that different clients are going to move at different paces. Um, And this is one that I actually personally have had some trouble with um, from the coaching perspective, because I always felt that if I communicated clearly enough what my coaching style was, my approach to coaching, um, that the right clients, the right quote unquote clients would find me. Um, the clients who approached health and wellness with a similar, um, perspective as me, who had the same level of enthusiasm as I did, who wanted to learn and work hard and be as dedicated as I was, um, and, you know, it's fair for some people to say, and I've had a lot of like coaching mentors say this too, where you essentially can interview your clients and you can pick and choose the ones that sort of pass your test. Like, are these going to be good clients for me? Are they going to respond to my um, coaching well? And you can say no to the rest, but that's not always realistic um, from a lot of coaches perspectives. When you're getting just started, when you're new, when you're trying to build a client base, um, 
you don't always have the luxury of turning down four potential clients in a row who are willing to pay you because um, you need to make money and you need to work. And if you're working for yourself, I know very acutely the hustle that that requires. So I understand from the coach's perspective that sometimes they take on clients that maybe aren't the best fit for them in retrospect. And maybe the coach wasn't the best fit um, for the client, maybe vice versa. Um, I've done it. Like I have taken clients that in retrospect, or even at the time, I thought like, okay, I'm going to try my best with these guys. I'm not not sure how it's going to go, but I'll be positive. I'll be optimistic. Um, maybe a little naive about my abilities, my limitations in dealing with specific personalities. Maybe a little naive about that person's level of commitment. Um, but all that to say... I understand and I hear the client's frustration where perhaps you're somebody who has never been into fitness before. Maybe you have zero understanding of nutrition and you go to a coach and they expect you in a week to completely overhaul your diet, to do workouts that you've never even seen before, uh, much less tried, and to adhere to a completely new lifestyle 100% within a week. That is unfair, it's unsustainable, it's unrealistic, and it makes you feel like a failure immediately if you can't keep up, which most people can't. And then if the client says, okay, well, fine, I'll back off and make it easier for you, that makes you feel like a failure, which certainly doesn't put you in the right headspace to continue to work hard and learn and feel inspired to do better, right? Um, most, I would like to think that most good coaches at this point get the concept that slow, progressive change um, is much more sustainable than zero to 100 complete overhauls, like Biggest Loser style, you know, ridiculous boot camp style um, health coaching is not actually the way to go. But we live in a culture that really values um, and highlights these epic transformations, these super quick bounce backs, these intense, hard, grueling journeys that we can then flash all over social media. It's not sexy to promote a coaching style that says, I'm going to work through this with you in a painstakingly slow but effective manner. That is not a good pitch. It's the right way to do it, but it is not a good pitch. It just does not turn people on. So I understand from the coach's perspective that it's very tough to tell people what they need to hear, and it's a lot easier to tell people what they want to hear. Oh, you're frustrated? Oh, you're bored with what you're doing? Here, I'll give you every kind of change you can think of within the first 24 hours. Hit the ground running. Go for it. This is so exciting and overwhelming, and there's no way you won't see a change. So hop to it, right? rather than taking the time to very slowly, progressively, painstakingly highlight the key things that, that people are willing to change, able to change, picking one and working on it for three weeks until they've got it, and then moving on to the next thing. No one likes that. So I can understand, again, how it's tough for the coach um, to balance giving you what you need and wanting to make you feel like you're getting your money's worth, right?
Um, this is a tough one. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of context. And there is a happy medium. We don't have to go from zero to 100. We also don't have to be in a situation where you're paying a coach for a year just to help you improve your breakfast, right? We can, we can find a happy medium in there somewhere. And we'll talk about how to get there. Okay. Next challenge. Clients are frustrated about paying big money to a coach and getting a very cookie cutter, stock, one size fits all plan. I got this one a lot. Um, nobody likes feeling like they are um, getting a cookie cutter approach to feeling healthy. People want to feel heard and understood. They want a custom experience. They want something that is tailored to their unique situation. And that is absolutely understandable and appropriate. My knee-jerk reaction as a coach would be to say, well, you didn't really do your homework on the coach, did you? Because before you give somebody big money, you need to know what you're paying them for. And if you haven't spoken to the person directly, if you haven't interviewed the coach, if you haven't gotten a very clear sense, very detailed description of what they're going to be providing to you, then at a certain point, it's almost irresponsible on your end as a client to give somebody a bunch of money when you're not really sure what you're getting out of it, right? Because there are a ton of coaches out there who will give you a cookie cutter program and ask a lot of money for it. And they'll do that because they have a lot of Instagram followers, because they have created a brand and a package that looks very impressive. And maybe they get some testimonials. Maybe they've done some coaching work that has been really successful. And they've picked this sort of one basic plan. And they're like, look, this works for most people. It'll probably work for you. Pay me and I'll give it to you. Here's the answer, right? But you can get a sense of that through research. You can figure out, is this person somebody who's going to send me a PDF they created 10 years ago? Or is this somebody who's going to talk to me on the phone once a week and give me a tailored plan based on information I'm giving them? That is something that is, I think the onus is on the client to do their homework before they give away their hard-earned money. So yes, it is absolutely understandable that you do not want a cookie cutter approach to health, but you get what you ask for. So that's something to remember. Okay, another big one. And this is actually one that was brought up a few times, but I think it's so important that I wanted to make sure it was included because I actually think it's something that's very important, but most people don't even know that it's important. And so they're missing it completely. And this is not having a plan for once the coaching relationship is done. There's no plan for how they're going to continue on their own, how they're going to become independent, how they're going to adapt whatever plan they've been working on with their coach to be something that's sustainable and lifelong that they don't need the coach's help with anymore. This is a huge one. And this frustration comes as a result of me having clients who have said, I've done these half a dozen coaching courses 
or I've had this many coaches, or I've had this many experiences, and I pay attention, and I do everything they tell me to do, and I have 100% adherence, and I'm perfect. And then a couple weeks or a couple months when I'm done paying them, they're gone. I have nobody to answer to anymore. I'm set adrift. My motivation dwindles, and I'm right back where I started over and over again. And I've had this experience personally um, when I was competing in bodybuilding, and I had coaches and I did my due diligence and I got a good coach and I did a lot of work and I did a lot of research on how to prep for competitions as well as I could. And I never paid attention to what happens when the competition's over. And when you think about the amount of time and energy and detail and work that goes into getting ready for this one tiny event, and then you put zero thought into what you do with your body and your mind and your schedule and your life once that tiny event is over. And yet so many of us do this. We do this with competitions. We do this because we want to lose weight for our wedding or for a photo shoot or for a vacation. We do this as we plan for childbirth, maybe. We don't think about anything about what happens afterwards. We're always like planning for this big show, and then we never think about the rest of our life that comes after it. And again, I'm saying this as somebody who has done it. You know, I did my competitions and I did them really well and I enjoyed the process and I was successful. And then the day after hits and I'm like, what the hell do I do with myself? How do I eat? How do I exercise? Do I try to maintain this? How do I get back to normal? What's normal now? How slowly do I do it? How quickly do I do it? How much weight should I gain back? How much cardio should I be doing now? You see how this cycle happens? You, you spin out of control really quickly. So mine's kind of the other end of the spectrum where it's like I'm coming from hypervigilant, how do I live again? And then there are people who are used to living like, you know, they're going to die tomorrow and they're trying to find some semblance of a routine that is balanced. No one knows how to do it. So there really isn't much success on the coach's perspective if they work with you for a few months, get some money from you, give you some good tips, and then two weeks after you're done paying them, you're right back where you started. That's not a success from the coach's perspective. It's not a a success from your perspective either, right? You potentially kind of just wasted money and months of your life doing something that was not sustainable. And of course, this is maybe different if you are training for something specific. But still, the point remains that there is an after. There's an after that comes that you need to be prepared for. So this is, again, you'll see a theme coming from this list, something that you need to be aware of and bring up with your coach. Ask them. Ask them to help you develop a plan. What comes next? How do I find balance? How do I find self-accountability? How do I keep this up or keep up some semblance of this when I'm not paying you to tell me what to do every week, right? These are all important questions that need to be asked because I believe that health coaching, fitness coaching, nutrition coaching is about education and setting you up for success for the rest of your life. I like to tell a lot of my coaches that, or my clients that this isn't about getting you super fit or healthy in a couple months so I can have a testimonial saying how great a coach I am. It's 
figuring out the lifestyle for you so that your behaviors and decisions are just your life. They're just what you do. They're not something you have to think about. They're not something you have to note in your fitness pal on your phone. They're not something that you have to get through to get to the other end that is perfect health, whatever that is. It's just your life. It's the lifestyle that you have created that makes you feel good and vital and happy and healthy. That's what you need to figure out. And if you can't do that without a coach, then it's not sustainable. It's fine to need a coach on and off throughout your life, continuously here and there. But if you need a coach all the time to give you the lifestyle that makes you happy, it's not sustainable. So these are the major points of issue that clients came to me complaining about their coaches. And as I said, they're all legit. They're all real issues um, that, again, are not completely the fault of the coaches, nor are they completely the fault of the clients. But they are big issues that are problematic in the coaching industry. And now, after a quick break, we're going to talk about the client side and the limitations and challenges and issues that coaches have with their clients. All right, here we go. It's time to talk about clients now. And I want to just preface this by saying, I think I have a lot of coaches and clients who listen to this podcast, and I am not intending to provoke or offend anybody. This is truly comments that came from you guys, from listeners and from people in my community who are willing to share. Um, And any of the things that I'm saying, I believe, I believe that they are meant to inform and to help and to create understanding. And a lot of what I'm saying, I believe is based in an understanding of the industry and an understanding of basic human psychology and wellness. However, what I'm saying is also kind of one person's belief, right? So you don't have to take everything I'm saying, um, obviously, as 100% fact. I would also say, though, however, that if anything I'm saying does trigger you or piss you off, it may be worth reflecting on that particular thing and thinking, okay, why did this get to me? Is it because there is a kernel of truth here? Is it because there is something she's saying that resonates with me as a sticking point or something that I have, you know, maybe failed to do or wished I could do differently or messed up about in the past? Um, Certainly, I'm not perfect from as a coach or as a client. I've made a lot of mistakes myself. And that's why I feel like I can speak so passionately about a lot of these subjects. Um, But I really think, again, like I said, sort of at the top of the show, so much of this is about just understanding, just being willing to empathize, open your heart, open your brain, be willing to hear things, even if they're uncomfortable or annoying or frustrating. Because if we're completely closed off to understanding each other or learning new things or owning up to um, our part of a failure, then we're never going to improve or learn, right? So all that to say is if any of this pisses you off, maybe there's reason and maybe it's you and not me and not your coach or not your client. Okay. Just saying, just throwing that out there. Okay. 
So these were the frustrations that coaches had with their clients. Number one, this one's big, and this could actually go under both categories, unrealistic or unclear expectations. Clients want a quick fix, they want promised results, and they don't actually even really know what it is that they want. So this is huge. This has come to me time and time and time again. People who say, I want to get fit. I want to lose weight. I want to be in better shape. I want to be healthier. What does that mean? Right? If you say it, you think, okay, that means obviously I want to look good. I want to look better. I want to feel better. But we don't know how you feel now. We don't know how you feel about how you look. We don't know what you think healthy is. We don't know what you think fit is. Maybe you don't know that. Maybe you just scroll Instagram and see somebody and think, yeah, that's it. There it is. But you don't necessarily know what it took that person to look that way. If that person's in fact healthier, they just happen to look good. There needs to be tangible uh, expectations. They have to be clearly thought out and articulated and understood on your side, on the client's side, before they can be clearly articulated and understood by the coach. So if I go to a coach on the internet and say, hey, I want to get fitter than I am. And they're like, cool, I got you. I have a plan right here, locked and loaded, that's going to fix you. I'd run in the other direction. That person has no idea who I am, what my deal is, how fit I am, what I'm actually asking for. And if they say they have the answer with that amount of information, they're full of it, right? So that's going to take some work on the client's side. You need to spend some time with it. You need to journal. You need to envision. You need to write it out, think it out, talk it out until you know what it is you want. And then you can work back from there. A lot of people think they know, but it's very vague and very generalized. And if someone told you to dig down and really list it out, you wouldn't be able to do it. Um, And some people find, again, if we're talking about realistic expectations, the thing they think they want, when they really understand what it takes to get there, they realize they don't want it. And that's okay. That's not a failure. You know, like a lot of people want to look like the cover of a fitness magazine. And then when you say it will take you a year, you will never eat anything you like again, you will stop drinking, you will go to bed at 9 p.m. every day and wake up at 5, you'll work out for three hours, it might totally interfere with your life and your relationships and your sex drive, and so on and so on and so on. (laughs) Then maybe people will say, oh, actually, I don't need those abs as much as I thought I did, right? So these are the things you got to work out. And a coach can help you with that as long as you, again, articulate that. Say, look, I'm not feeling great. I don't feel great about myself. I know I want to make improvements. I don't really know what those improvements are, but I'd like to start working on a plan. You get a good coach and they can help you with that. You know, you don't have to have all the answers, but you have to have a willingness to try to get there, right? So unrealistic or unclear expectations is a big one. We could really talk about that for an entire podcast. Let me know if you want me to. Okay. Next one. Clients are not investing enough either in money or in time. So, of course, the other um, section I was talking about clients being kind of peeved that they're paying a bunch of money and not getting what they 
think they deserve um, with that investment. And then there's coaches saying, look, you're barely paying me anything for the time that I'm putting into this. And you're also not really putting that much time into it. What do you expect to get out of this? So this again goes back to, I think, just understanding and discussion and, you know, figuring out what you're willing to invest, um, both in time and in money. You don't have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to get a quality coach who's willing to help you. Um, But you also, you know, you can't half-ass this thing. You can't try to cut corners everywhere. You can't try to take the quick fix on every level and expect to get a quality result. You know, it's like with everything in life, the amount of time and effort and investment you put into something is going to be relative to what you're getting back out of it. And I've had this issue with um, coaching friends in the past, and I still am sometimes guilty of doing this, like just giving way too much time and expertise for free because they're people I care about and people that I feel weird um, asking for money from. Um, But I have gotten to the point where when people really come to me and say they want formal help, I'm like, dude, you got to pay me, not only because my time is worth it, but also because if you don't invest anything in this, you are not going to be invested in it, (laughs) right? It's like if you're starting a business with a friend and your friend puts in their entire life savings and you put in nothing, who's going to be more invested in the success of that? The person whose entire livelihood is riding on it, not you, right? So I'm not telling you, you got to use your life savings on a coach. But do your research, invest, if this is something that is important to you, and if your health and happiness is important to you, as it should be, it should be really at the top of the priority list. You know, you think about how much money you're willing to spend on a vacation, on a nice bag, on a car. This is your life. This is your health. And if you get the right person and you invest the right way, This could be a a gift and a resource that gives back to you forever, right? So invest with your money, invest with your time, um, and chances are better that you're going to get more out of it than if you don't. Okay. Next one. This is something that I get really fired up about. Clients who sign up with a coach based purely on aesthetics or popularity and think that you're going to be just like that person if you do what that person says. Okay. I get it, right? I get that people are aspirational. I get that, you know, you're not necessarily going to pick a coach that looks like they've never worked out in their life. Okay. I understand. I understand that we're all attracted to fit, healthy, charismatic, good-looking people. And I, in fact, actually tell people when you're looking for a coach, and I've used this in the bodybuilding example, to look for a coach who has an aesthetic that you appreciate, that you would like to emulate, which is the reason why I didn't seek out a heavyweight male bodybuilder to help me um, be a figure competitor. I looked for a figure competitor and one whose uh, physique I liked. Um, However, it is completely false to assume that just because someone looks good and just because someone has a lot of followers on Instagram that you're going to look like them and that they know what they're talking about. 
and that you should do exactly what they say and you're going to look like what they look like. Okay. I can do JLo's workout plan every day for the next decade. I'm probably not going to look like her because she's JLo and I'm not, I hate to say it, I hate to admit that out loud, but she is a different human being with a different life and different genetics. And that's what it is. So again, this is something a little bit naive. If you're putting all of your eggs in this basket of this person's a big deal and good looking. And so if I follow them, I'm going to look like that. I'm going to feel like that. I'm going to be like that. It is not the case. This is where you got to do your research. You have to observe this person, research this person, see who else. Do you know anybody who's been coached by this person? Look at what they do. Look at what they, how they talk. Look at how they communicate. Get some of their free downloads if they have it, whatever. Do your research. Talk to the people in person if you can. I mean, really, you want a coach that's going to be accessible that you could actually do like a free consultation call with or, you know, interact with on some level before you sign up, right? See if it feels right. See if you click. See if you understand them, if they understand you, if what they say resonates, if you get a good feeling. If you don't, it doesn't matter how good their abs are. It's not going to be a good relationship. And this is one of the traps that people fall into um, when they go and get these cookie cutter, one size fits all plans from their coaches that they paid a ton of money for. It's because they fell into this trap of this person's popular and hot. So I'll just give them money because, hey, they're so successful. I mean, they're going to help me. And then, yeah, this is what you're getting. So you'll see that this is a very common refrain that I have over and over again is do your work. Do your research before you sign on. Okay. Next one. Uh, Expecting too much of the coach, putting too much emphasis on extrinsic, external motivators. This one's big. This goes back to sort of the mental aspect of it. Um, And this is something that I kind of try to hammer home all the time um, with all of the information I put out there that external motivators, wanting people to like you, wanting people to be impressed by you, wanting to get more likes on social media, wanting to look like another person that you admire. I'm not saying that those are pointless, useless, silly um, desires because they're human desires and we all want to feel appreciated and wanted and admired and um, all of those things. But those motivators are not enough for long-term change. And they're also not enough for deeply um, transformative, positive change. That type of external motivation is fleeting and it's cheap and it takes more and more of it to achieve the same level of um, happiness and dopamine, right? So you have to find the intrinsic internal motivators, those external motivators can still be there. You can always still want to look good naked, look good on a beach, Um, you know, have people say like, oh, shoot, you look great. What have you been doing? Nothing wrong with that. But if that's your only motivator, chances are it's going to fail you. Um, And people are surprised by this. Like I I remember having a conversation with another very, very well-established coach who has said that 
fat loss, weight loss, losing a certain amount of weight is actually not a good motivator. And people might say like, are you crazy? Every single woman in the world wants to lose 10 to 30 pounds. I mean, most. That's a generalization. Every single guy in the world wants to gain 10 to 20 pounds of muscle, right? Another generalization, but you know what I'm saying. And the reality is we all do maybe want to tweak, maybe look just a little bit tighter, a little bit leaner, a little bit buffer, but it just isn't deep enough to enact that long-term behavior change and complete lifestyle change that it requires. So you have to want more. You have to, for example, I don't know, want to get healthier so that you can play more freely with your kids. Or maybe you had a health scare and this is literally a life or death or quality of life thing for you. Or maybe it's part of a bigger plan to truly respect and love yourself after years of really low self-esteem and feeling like you aren't good enough. And having these real intrinsic motivators that, again, are clearly articulated and understood and believed by you are what is going to move the needle on creating long-lasting change. So, again, I am not shaming anybody into wanting to look good in a bathing suit and into wanting to show off on social media. We've all been there. We all love it. We're all human beings. But <laughs> you need you need more than that, period. And the coach isn't going to do it for you. You have to want to change, right? And this leads to the next point, which is uh, coaches' complaints that many clients do not actually have the intrinsic desire to change. You just have this general feeling that you, quote unquote, should get in better shape or a general displaced sort of unhappiness that you aren't enough, that your life isn't great, that you want to feel better, but you don't know how. And so you turn to, okay, well, the gym's going to help or getting a super strict diet and losing some body fat and looking better in my clothes is going to help. Um, and this is another one that's a really kind of sore spot for me too, because this was one of the reasons why I stopped coaching the first time that I got into it, because I had clients come to me and say, you know, I've been on this yo-yo diet thing forever. I felt bad about myself for a long time. I just want to feel better. I want to be strong. I want to take charge of my health and my life. I really want to do this. I really want to do it. And then you enter into this relationship and a week or two down the road, they kind of stop checking in and you're kind of hounding them and they're not really that responsive and they're not really doing what you tell them to do. And then you're both left disappointed. You're both left feeling like, well, okay, so I'm the coach. I can't, I, what I'm doing isn't working. They're not responding, but maybe they're just not really that into it. Why did they pay me this money? Now I feel like I let them down and I'm not that good. They feel like here's another failed attempt at getting healthy. This coach sucks. I suck. I'm not into it. Here we go again. Right? And this goes back to the unclear, unrealistic expectations. You just have a general feeling of not feeling great, wanting things to improve, wanting to feel better. What things do you want to improve? What do you want to feel better about? What parts of your life do you want to have more control over? Maybe it doesn't have to do with health at all. 
Maybe it doesn't have to do with getting stronger in the gym. Maybe it doesn't have to do with eating less gluten or whatever it is you're paying a coach for. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's improving your relationships. Maybe it's moving somewhere. Maybe it's getting a better job. I don't know. Maybe it's not getting a health coach, but it's something we turn to because sometimes it's like a low-hanging fruit, right? Because everyone says, yeah, just exercise more and eat better. Everything will get sorted out. Sometimes that is the answer, but sometimes it isn't. And if you enter into this relationship without a clear understanding, without that intrinsic desire that we talked about, without, you know, understood expectations, you're going to fizzle out. The coach is going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated. You've wasted some time. And there you go. So understand what you want and then get the coach, get the person, get the situation that's going to help you do that. Okay, here's another, here's another frustration on the part of the coaches. Clients being unwilling to actually hear new information. People will seek you out. They'll give you money. They'll say, I need to make a change. And then when you tell them something that they have to change, they're like, no, not that. Anything but that. <laughs> and I laugh as I read this because, yeah, this one, this one happens a lot. People think they're ready for change, even so far as to go get a coach and pay them. And then the coach tells them something that's different than what they're used to, and they shut down immediately. They are unwilling to hear it. They're distrustful. They're like, but that can't be right. And it's a, it's a frustration for me dealing specifically with women because usually it's about doing less cardio, eating more food, nourishing yourself, building muscle instead of focusing on losing fat. And there are women who have been on this hamster wheel their entire life, just chronic cardio, chronic restriction, undereating, always being hungry, never quite satisfied, always feeling like they're just just struggling to get through to the time that they're going to feel and look their best. And it's never quite worked. And so the logical explanation is then, okay, well, you got to do something different than what you've always done that is not getting you the result. And so they go to a coach and they say, this is what I've always done. It's not working. What do I try? And me, the coach says, try this. It's different. And they say, I can't do that. That's different. I'm not used to it. That's the opposite of what I've been told. Yeah, it is the opposite of what you've been told. It's the opposite of what you've done that hasn't worked, right? This is the psychology component that is so frustrating on both sides. A lot of people are more comfortable with an ineffective but familiar plan than they are with taking a risk and trying something new and not knowing where it'll lead them. Which, it is human nature, and we've all been there, but it also, when you really lay it out, is kinda crazy, right? Like, if you've been just banging yourself over the head for a decade and getting nothing but a headache, and I tell you, hey, Stop banging yourself on the head. See what happens. You might be able to think more clearly. And you're like, yeah, but I just, I've gotten so used to doing this, right? Like, what if I stop banging myself on the head and my headache gets worse? 
And of course, my my response is, well, hey, you paid me. You might as well give it a shot, right? You might as well try the thing I'm telling you to do. Worst thing that can happen is you're right back where you started, but it could be good for you, right? So <laughs> this is kind of, you know, I'm simplifying it a little bit here, but we got to be willing to put everything we think we know aside and put our trust in the coach that we're paying for. And this, of course, comes after all of these other things I've said, which is making sure you have the right goals, um, the right plans, get the right coach, get into a situation that you feel good about, and then you kind of put yourself in their hands, right? Not 100%. Use your own brain, like, you know, use your common sense. But for you to find a coach, pay a coach, and then refuse to try anything different is kind of crazy, right? I know it's hard. I know it's risky. I know that it's scary. I know that new things and unfamiliar things are uncomfortable. But that's kind of the whole point. You know, like you just, you have to be willing to do different things to get different results. That's it at the end of the day. Doing the same thing and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. We've all heard it because it's true and it's accurate. And like I said with my book, my organ meat book, where I'm constantly telling people to try liver, even though they've been told that it's extreme and it's weird and it's gross and it's not normal, is the worst thing that could happen is you try something and it doesn't work. And then you're right back where you started. Go on with whatever you have been doing your whole life. But if you try something new and it does work and does make you feel better and you do enjoy it and it does taste good, guess what? Now you're on a whole different path that's moving you forward. So be willing to hear new information. Okay. I would say the last big one uh, under this category is clients expecting a coach to do the work for you just because you're paying them. So yeah, you should expect from a coach, you should expect guidance. You should expect expertise. You should expect information and resources. And you should expect support. Absolutely. A coach can be a teacher. They can be, like I said, a support system, an objective outside voice. This is why a lot of people don't have their partners or their family members be a coach for them. They can be a translator, right? They can be the conduit between you and this overflow of information. They can help translate that stuff for you. But they cannot be the person who fixes your problem. They aren't the one putting the food in your mouth. They aren't the one doing the exercises for you. They aren't going to bed with you, telling you when to go to bed. I mean, usually they aren't going to bed with you. I don't know what you're doing. But usually they aren't in your home tracking every single thing you're doing. They can't make you do the things you need to do. They can't make you be compliant. They can't make you want to change They can't make you put in the effort and the focus. Only the client can do that. And so many clients, and I understand because you're frustrated and you're lost and you're overwhelmed and you're tired, you put so much hope and faith in a coach to just fix it for you. And I get it. But coaches aren't magicians. They aren't genies. They're just supportive resources and guides that walk with you on your journey. 
but it's a journey that you have to walk. You have to want to. You have to take one step after another. The coach cannot do it for you. So, again, reiterating expectations. You should absolutely expect to get support and resources and information and help from a coach. But it's help for you to do the work of improving your health and your life. They can't do it for you. No one can do it for you but you. So that's it. I've talked a lot. I need to take a break. I need to go get a nice coffee, drink, walk around a bit, get some fresh air, and then we're going to delve into the best part of this, part three, where I'm going to talk about what I think we need to do what we both need to bring to the table as coaches and clients to start improving this relationship and start making health coaching, coaching in general, um, an interaction and a relationship that is really helping make the world a healthier place. So join me in just a minute. And now we come to part three where I'm going to humbly talk about what I think we can do as a community, as individuals, to make this coaching relationship more effective, to get our money's worth, um, and to ultimately create a healthier environment for both parties, especially the client, and um, set ourselves up for success. So I hope that so far, as you've been listening, um, you've been hopefully resonating with some of this stuff, hopefully really hearing it um, and internalizing any of the things that were particularly frustrating or sticking points for you, because that usually is an indication that those are the areas that you might need to work on personally. Um, And in this section, I am going to speak more directly um, to the clients about things that they can do more specifically. And the reason I do that is because I do ultimately think that the responsibility and the onus and the the bigger risk is really more on the client. Um, you have more to lose from investing your time and money and mental energy into a coach that is not going to work for you or, you know, that hopefully is. So it really, and you're the one choosing the, the coach as well, ultimately. So And at the end of the day, there are a lot of different coaches doing different things. There are some coaches who are like, look, I've been doing this for decades. I don't have the time to work with people individually anymore. I'm just going to throw out some PDFs based on some things that I know are successful. If people want to buy them and use them, great. You know, there are clients who have all different types of approaches for dealing with individuals. And it doesn't make much sense for me to kind of speak in general terms about what all coaches should do because it just, there's too many different types of coaches offering different types of services. But there are a lot of things education-wise and advocacy-wise that clients can do for themselves to make sure that they're entering into the most beneficial relationship and experience for them. So that's what I'm going to speak to right now. I hope it's helpful. Okay. The first point choosing the right partner. It's the biggest key here. Um, You could talk forever about this, but it's just like any other 
meaningful relationship in your life, right? Your romantic partner, your business partner, your gym partner, you need to do your research. You need to pick somebody who's going to work for you. Um, You can't pick somebody based purely on whether they look good or whether they're popular or whether they're rich. You need to pick them based on how they resonate, connect, feel to you. Do they um, do they communicate in a way that works for you? Do they offer services that look like something you'd be interested in, excited about, willing to willing to invest yourself in? And you can't always tell that by looking at their website or I don't know, checking them out on Instagram. So this is where you do a little bit of outreach work. And you send an email. You ask them questions. Maybe it starts by just going on social media and asking questions on their posts or sending them a DM. Maybe you check out their contact thing on their website and ask them some specific questions. Most coaches who work one-on-one will offer a brief complimentary sort of intake call where you can talk a little bit about what you need and they can tell you how they work. Um, It's important to do these things. And if you are trying to engage with a coach who doesn't offer any of this kind of accessibility, well, maybe that's your first red flag that you don't really want to enter into a longer term investment with somebody that you know nothing about. So before you do this too, make sure that you know what your questions are. Like, what is our relationship? What's our interaction going to be like? How are we going to communicate? How often are we going to communicate? How detailed do you get with um, workout plans and nutrition plans? If I want to eat in this type of way, will you support that? If my goal is X, Y, Z, will you support that? Like have some questions for them because, again, they don't know how to answer your needs if you don't tell them what they are, right? So, and this will also give you an opportunity to see, like, do you like how they communicate? Do you like their bedside manner? Do they seem friendly? Do you get along with them? Is this somebody you could see yourself trusting to tell them intimate details about your life and your health? You know, this is important. This is a relatively intimate relationship um, within, you know, appropriate confines. You know what I mean? So do the work up front. Choose somebody. You can never know 100%. You know, you can do your due diligence and still at the end of the the relationship think like, you know, they weren't so great at the end of the day, but that's, we do that with our intimate relationships too, right? You can't, you can't pick winners all the time, but doing your research is going to help. Okay. So that's the first point. The next is to have a clear understanding of your goals, what you really want to accomplish with this particular person, be able to articulate them clearly and communicate what they are and what you believe you need, what you expect, what you hope for from this relationship. Just like with, you know, your partner in life, you cannot assume that they understand what you're thinking. You cannot assume that they can just guess what your needs are. It's not fair. It's not fair to not articulate what you need and then be mad when you don't get it. And a lot of people are guilty of this. And a lot of it is because we don't feel confident enough or okay with voicing our needs. 
And that's work that needs to be done perhaps before you get into a coaching relationship because otherwise you're just going to get back into a cycle of dedicating time and money and energy and then feeling hard done by because you didn't you didn't do your end of the bargain by communicating what you need and what you need to get there. So it's okay if your goals change. If your goal at the beginning is I want to look like a fitness supermodel and by the end of it you're like, well actually, I just want to go down a couple body fat percentage points and I want to have better energy and I want to feel better and I want to fit into this bathing suit or whatever it is. You know, your goals can change. It's okay. But have goals. Have clear goals that you can adjust and amend and that can evolve. But you can't you can't expect to create a plan to get to this continued state, this progressed state if you don't know what that goal is. So spend some time with that. And like I said earlier, you can talk to coaches about it. You can say, look, generally speaking, I want to, you know, get a much better deadlift, but there's a little bit more to it too. And I don't really know exactly how to articulate it. Like you can work with coaches to kind of figure out what those goals are, but don't, don't go into a a plan and a new sort of attempt at a a healthier lifestyle without any concept of what you want to get out of it because you just won't get anything out of it. I mean, that's the way it works. Next point. This is a tough one. Be honest with yourself and with your coach about your situation, about how you feel, about um, the circumstances that have led you to where you are, um, the ways in which you tend to sabotage or fall short, Don't lie about how much you're working out. Don't conveniently forget to report meals that you ate because you think your coach is going to be disappointed in you. Don't lie and say that you feel fine and everything's great when you don't. It's not helping anyone. It's not helping you. It's not helping your coach. It's like you're trying to tell a police officer, you're trying to get them to... Uh, catch someone who mugged you and you give them false information about what that person looked like. That's what you're doing. That's the level of self-sabotage when you are not honest with yourself and with your coach about what's going on. And if you think, if you get the vibe that your coach is going to judge you or make you feel like garbage for falling short, for not doing something 100% perfectly, um, for being vulnerable Um, for talking about things that you've considered to be weaknesses or flaws in your character or whatever. And I get that it can be uncomfortable, but that's also, that's what the work is that you're doing. You're getting uncomfortable to make change. If you get the vibe that your coach is going to judge you or make you feel bad for being honest in this vulnerable state, you need a new coach. That's a massive red flag. So Again, I'm not trying to discount that it can be uncomfortable to, I don't know, send a coach pictures of your body and say, this is what I've always hated. Or you told me to to cut out all extra sugar and I crushed an extra large blizzard yesterday. I get it. Like no one wants to talk about their quote unquote failures. But if you are not honest, you're not going to get the best care from the person that you are working with. So just be as brutally honest as you possibly can. That is a great uh, foundation for a good, strong, uh, 
uh, beneficial relationship. And again, that goes well for real relationships too. I feel like I'm like venturing into uh, couples therapy territory here, uh, which I don't want to do, but a lot, a lot of this stuff is very parallel. Okay. Going back to the goals part of it, you want to understand and manage realistic expectations. So, you know, it's, it's ultimately impossible to change, make changes, um, if you don't have a clear starting point and you don't really have a clear sort of ending point. So think about it, spend some time with it, envision it, manifest it, like think about it in your mind, think about what these goals are and envision what your life will look like once these goals are achieved. So if you're doing something maybe purely for aesthetic reasons, which again, I'm not judging, fine. If you want to do this for a photo shoot, for a bodybuilding competition, you just want to look better naked, whatever. Envision your end goal and think about how, how am I going to feel Am I going to feel better about myself? Is my life going to improve? Is my lifestyle going to be vastly different? And will I accept that? Is this something I want to keep forever? Or is it okay that it lasts for a couple weeks and then I move on to the next goal? Think about it. Sit with it. Spend some time with it. And be okay if your expectations have to change. If you have to go from, you know, I want to run a sub three hour marathon to I'm going to run a half marathon and I don't care how long it takes. You know, these aren't failures. They're just, they're fitting your goals into your actual real life. Um, So that's important to spend some time with it. And that's something also a coach can help you with. Next point is to understand to deeply understand that you are the one doing the work. No matter how smart or fit or how well these coaches say that they can fix your problems, you are the one who has to dive in, take the risks, uh, do the work, spend the hours, and and do it. Really just hit the ground and do it. It's kind of like, if I go back to the relationship thing, it's like you're in an unhappy relationship and you're like, we just aren't a good fit or maybe my partner sucks or whatever. And you move on and you find yourself in the next relationship and you're unhappy in the exact same way. You got to remember, you are the common denominator here. It's not that you just happen to only find the jerks. You happen to only find the, the bad coaches. You are the person who keeps showing up And the results are what the results are. So it's not to say that everything is always your fault. However, no matter where you go, there you are, right? So if you do have a habit of, you know, not being completely truthful to your coaches, to um, getting really excited about a plan for three weeks and then crashing and burning when you don't, aren't completely fixed immediately, um, you know, there's a lot of things we do to kind of sabotage our goals, right? It's common to a lot of different people. So it's your responsibility to address these things and be open-minded, be willing to hear what your coach has to say, even if it's uncomfortable, to be informed, to communicate your feelings when you are having a rough day, when you are feeling unmotivated, when you mess up, when you 
think that something you're trying isn't working. This is your job. Just like it's your job to, to, you know, do the work to find a coach that you think will give you the best chance at success, success. It's your job to then do what they're telling you to do and, uh, and do the work. Okay. So that's a big one. Next point, (sighs) have patience, have patience with the process. This is a really tough one because I I understand it so deeply. I understand the frustration of doing everything right and not feeling like you're getting a reward that is um, appropriate to the level of work that you're putting in. I really get it. And I've been there. I felt that myself. And I felt it deeply with, with clients that I've had that I feel are so invested and so open and so willing. And they're just, they're always on the brink of giving up because it's just taking longer than they want it to. And it's one of those things that it's really easy to write on a Instagram meme or something that it's going to take twice as long as you want it to. Like that's just kind of science when it comes to fitness and health. You know, you didn't, if you're overweight or if you're unhealthy, it probably didn't happen in three weeks. So what makes you think that you're going to reverse it in three weeks? But we create this culture where 21 day shred is a thing and we believe it and we buy into it and it's just not realistic and it's not accurate. And when it does work, it works very temporarily and it's not usually the the answer that you're looking for. So And, you know, the other cliche part of it, too, is that most people, whether it's business success or fitness or whatever kind of goal they have, the vast majority of people give up right before they'd start seeing the kind of progress that would give them the boost they needed to keep going, right? It's like you you just invest and you wait and you hope and then it just drops and you are so disillusioned and you stop. And if you had kept going another week, another two weeks, another month, whatever it is, you'd see it. The payoff would be there. You just have to believe in it. You have to believe in yourself. You have to trust the process. And you also just have to visualize and understand that changing your body, changing your mind, and changing your lifestyle does not happen overnight. If it did, we'd all be sorted out and perfectly healthy all the time. It takes a lot of work, a lot of consistency, and a lot of patience. And that's something you just kind of can't tell yourself enough because we all have moments of frustration and and low patience and low confidence and we want to give up. It's the people who can sit with that and then just get up and keep going. Those are the ones who make it, right? Okay. Lastly, work with your coach. Once you get one, once you've done all this work and you get, you get the awesome coach, work with your coach to create a plan for after the coaching relationship has ended. So we talked about this a little bit before, and maybe your coaching relationship lasts a month, maybe it lasts six months, maybe it lasts three years. I don't know. I don't know what your goals are or what your, your situation is. It doesn't really matter, but there will be an after. You aren't going to work with this coach forever, most likely. Um, And so you want to have some steps in place so that you feel empowered and ready and informed and educated and you understand what you need to continue on your own. 
I don't know what that is. I can't tell you because I don't know what your goals are and what your situation, your background is. But I know you need one because we all need one. So it's something you want to talk about pretty early on. You know, if you said, look, I'm signed up for three months and maybe we'll work together for a year, maybe not, but I want to build into this plan what I'm going to do when I'm on my own so that I don't feel left adrift. And I feel like I, you know, know what I'm doing when I step out on my own. Makes sense, right? I mean, it's important. It's an important part that we do not pay enough attention to. And most coaches would be happy to work with you on that because most good coaches also are not in the business of keeping clients for years on end. They want to work with you and do it so well that you don't need them anymore. That's another sign of a good coach. Okay, so those are my main points. And if you've made it this far, I appreciate you. You've listened to my voice for so long today. I'm so tired of talking. Um, I really like doing this episode, but man, it's a lot of talking to myself. That's weird. Um, So I appreciate you listening. I really hope that you got something out of this. If, like I said at the beginning, if there's something you think I really missed, if there's something you think that I could dedicate more time to, maybe there's a coach or a a mentor or a teacher that you think would be really valuable to talk about this stuff with that I should have on the show, send me a message. Send me a message on Instagram, reach out via my website. Um, let me know what you think. Please share this episode with someone you think could benefit. I know everybody knows somebody, whether they're a coach or someone being coached that could get something out of this episode. Um, so please, please do spread the love, share it, pay it forward. Let somebody else uh, have access to this and, and hopefully be helped by it. Um, I can also talk a little bit right now about some of the coaching options that I do offer. I mean, I might as well shamelessly plug some of my own services here since I just spent over an hour uh, talking about coaching. Um, Now, I used to do some of the sort of typical online, let's do this for three months, we'll talk once a week, and I'll send you plans and updates and resources and all of that stuff. And um, I'm just not in a place time-wise or availability-wise where that's something that I um, can offer. So instead, I've kind of come up with a couple different options. that have been working well. Um, but I think that again, they are for specific types of people with specific goals in mind. So it may not be appropriate to everybody, but just really quickly, um, some of the main things that I am offering right now, one is a one-off, uh, intensive consultation, health consultation. Um, and so what this generally entails is someone who is pretty uh, motivated, pretty self-starting, knows a fair bit about health and wellness, but maybe has one specific goal or question or point of issue or challenge that they're trying to work out. And it it could be large, like I need to get my food sorted. Like the exercise and sleep is great, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I've been doing keto for a while and I don't know if that's even any good anymore. Like something like that. It could be something super specific um, about, um, I don't know, your sleep is off or I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years and I don't like it anymore. And now I don't know what to do with myself. And I still want to 
you know, be a competitive fit person? What do I do? Or whatever, specific questions. Um, They don't need someone to micromanage them. They don't need somebody to check in and see what they're eating every day. They just need um, some one-on-one time with somebody with a fair bit of expertise who can offer some objective understanding, advice, guidance, resources. Um, That's what I do. So it usually entails um, you doing a fairly comprehensive intake for me. And then we would set up a uh, one-on-one call, like a Zoom call, where we would talk through it at some length um, and kind of try to get to the bottom of what the real challenge and obstacle is and what you're really trying to achieve, what you're hoping to get out of it. And then I would send a follow-up package of resources and information and materials um, that you can then take and use on your own. So again, this isn't something that's kind of ongoing generally, because again, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. Um, But it's something, it's, it's a consultation with You know, I got to toot my own horn, an expert at this point on sort of holistic uh, health. So, and of course, I do have my biases. I do have my um, special interests. So I care about whole foods, ancestral health, high protein eating. If you're a vegan and not interested in ever not being a vegan, I'm probably not the coach for you. Um, I care about strength building and functional fitness. Um, I care about a holistic, balanced approach to health as opposed to maybe super elite performance. Um, So if any of this sounds like stuff that is relevant to you, then maybe you want to talk to me about it. I appreciate your time. I I think in summary that this is an important topic. I think that most people don't talk about the nature of this relationship enough. Um, We like to just place blame. Either the coach sucked or the client client's heart wasn't into it. And there's so much more to it than that. So I think it's important that we do talk about the details and the nuance and the context and the psychology that goes into this very important relationship that I don't think is going anywhere. And I don't think it should go anywhere. I think it's important. And I think we should support it and find ways to make it better um, rather than just being frustrated and continuing to suffer in silence. So that's all for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. 